This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's covered. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Your ears do not deceive you. The QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck is back for our fourth episode in five days now. I think we had uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and now Wednesday evening. Yeah, and we, this might not be the last one of the week either. We might set a record this week. I, I think that we're already at a record, but yeah, it could keep growing. Uh, QB, good to have you, man. A lot yeah, going on today. To- lot going on today well i wouldn't even say just today but over the last couple of days but i think that like a lot of things kind of came to a head and again i we had kind of speculated on the last episode that um just given like again i think josh pate said it perfectly right like the ease in which dan lanning signed that contract i think was a very big indicator of like the feeling and again i don't think it's even a feeling like i think there's been obviously some indications from the from the Big Ten, obviously, is what we're talking about, to Oregon, that, that we're going to be a member here in probably the next couple of weeks. Um, and that's what I think was the impetus for that big extension, um, as well as talking about the additional investment that's going to be coming, um, because we're about to have a much more valuable media rights deal. Yeah, I mean, and and I think what Pate said is absolutely right, but I also look at it from the other side too, right? Uh, Oregon was also like, super eager to sign that contract you know which which puts them on the hook for at at a minimum 50 million dollars uh so from both standpoint of dan landing and oregon it seems to portend and and we we kind of talked about the quotes that we read you know from the administration and whatnot uh and dan as well on we didn't talk about this but on monday in his press conference in oregon's media day he made a comment along the lines of there's more coming. Just watch. I don't know. It's paraphrasing, but something along those lines. So there's, yeah. you know, I, I record. It's crazy because, you know, I recorded that podcast that I put out last. I put it out on Saturday, I recorded it late Friday night, you know, after Colorado left. And I was kind of like, well, I think we're still stuck in the pack. You know, I, I, I didn't. It, it almost feels like the entire world has changed in, in five days from an Oregon like conference realignment perspective. Yeah, and I think like if this is to play out the way that I think we both anticipate it's going to play out at this point, as it seems that um, a lot more scuttles coming now out of Arizona State and Utah, that their boards are going to be meeting, and it sounds like, as we kind of all expected in the longer term, the four corner schools are going to end up in the Big Twelve. Um, and so yeah, with see, that so being, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, let's maybe reset the board a little bit and, and kind of talk about what's happened over the last few days, and then yeah, why don't you get into you, what it means? Why don't you take us through because you're the you're Rayman with this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so obviously we talked about what happened with Colorado last week, and and that the the big thing that came out over the weekend was uh, Arizona basically said we want to see a, we want to see real numbers, no more talk, no more games. We want to see an actual offer sheet that we could sign with real terms of what this media deal will be. So the Pac-12 set up a, a conference call with their presidents uh, for Tuesday morning, yesterday, uh, as we record this, and early. It was like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or some really early in the morning. And all the num- all the information that started leaking out through yesterday was basically the parameters of that deal are it was it was a Apple deal, full fully Apple. So either all streaming or the potential that was undefined for Apple to potentially sell some games to TV networks. Right. Um, but, but primarily it would be all almost all streaming. Some undefined amount of games may, may end up on networks and the deal somewhere between 20 and $25 million a year. Um, that, that number was very reported in different places, very differently. Uh, there was a lot of incentives built in. So if you sold a lot of Apple subscriptions that maybe you'd get higher up on that number and, and you could get to a number approaching the big 12 in a super optimistic, never going to happen, best case scenario. And so I think what quickly happened coming out of that meeting is, you know, everyone started looking for the the exit door, right? Uh, well, I, I take that back. Not everyone, because, um, you know, whoever John Canzano's sources said, we are happy and excited and everyone's super elated and we can't wait to meet again. And and then quickly news comes out that Arizona's having a board meeting the next day and Arizona State and Utah are looking around and um, they're going to have board meeting. You know, there was an Arizona State board meeting or no, an Arizona board Regents meeting um, later, later yesterday as well. So, you know, the news of the deal started leaking out. The news that no one was happy with the number started leaking out. I think pretty quickly on Tuesday, by Tuesday afternoon, everyone and their brother thought, at a minimum, Arizona's leaving. They're going to follow Colorado to the Big 12 basketball school, basketball conference. Makes a ton of sense. They're going to take the 14th spot in the Big 12. And then it became, well, is that it? Can the Pac-12 still backfill? Can they sell this deal, get two other members? And that's kind of where yesterday went for the most part. And then today, like the proverbial shit hit the fan. Uh, Cause everyone and their brother national reporting wise started reporting that the big 10 is now, now looking at schools to expand as that got, you know, further, you know, detailed. It was Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal potentially two, potentially all four. Uh, Fox really only wants Oregon and Washington. They're really only willing to pay extra money for Oregon and Washington. The big 10 presidents may want Stanford and or Cal. How, you know, so there's a lot of scuttle around. Is it two? Is it four? Is it none? And then, and then the other thing that then started happening is Arizona state, particularly and Utah to, to a lesser extent, you know, running, running to catch up with Arizona and get on the big 12 bus. I think, if I was going to, you know, I think that's kind of the, the play, right? So so all afternoon and evening today, everyone's been talking about Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, maybe Stanford and Cal. And I think that's where it's where I think things are going to happen. I think that's where Oregon is going to end up. If I if I had to bet, I think it's just going to be Oregon and Washington. What do you think? 
Yeah, if I had to, like, that seems to be the most likely outcome. Now, Big Ten presidents um, could be okay with subsidizing Cal and Stanford just for the academic affiliation. Obviously, Stanford's the number one university in the country. Um, Cal's, like, I think the top or one of the top two or three public institutions in the country. So academically, both schools bring a ton to the table. And, and But outside of the 16 presidents at those schools, I don't know that a single person in, in, a, in, a, in an athletic department or a um, – in a media um, executive board meeting gives a rat's ass about Cal and Stanford's academics. So um, it'll be really interesting to see Oregon and Washington are the clear, obvious fits are the two most valuable brands left in the PAC 12. Um, I think again, the four corner schools, meaning uh, Utah, Colorado, um, and the Arizona schools going to the big 12 has made sense this entire time from a, like from a um, stature program standpoint, from a financial standpoint, um, from an alignment standpoint in regards to the importance of athletics. So none of that makes is surprising to me in the least bit. And I think that now that we're, there's been a lot of hesitancy be, because of, I mean, the hesitancy for Colorado ultimately was down to the fact that Oregon and Washington were not on board with committing to the long-term vision of the conference, right? And so if you're Colorado in that sense, you need to go find stability. And if there's anything that the Big 12 is, it's stable right? Like you have your media deal. It's already locked in. You know exactly what you're going to make. And it's pretty solid money, right? Like it's good money. It's, it's, a, it's a sustainable level of spending to what Colorado is used to um, in the Pac-12. Uh, and so I think Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah taking that route and jumping on that life raft to be in that tier two conference makes a lot of sense. Um, and really, I mean, the interesting piece is what happens with Cal and Stanford if they don't get the Big Ten invite and ultimately what ends up happening with Oregon State and Washington State. And I think um, you know what I think about that. I think I think what's going to happen is that the Pac-12 will still remain a, a conference. I don't know if it'll be 12 schools, but um, I think Oregon State and Washington State will basically rebuild with the best brands from the Mountain West and the AAC. So, but AAC schools that are uh, convenient from a locale standpoint. So like a school like SMU, for example, would make sense. Uh, Cause I would assume that what the PAC 12 is going to be able to put together from a TV rights standpoint with Oregon state, Washington state, the top schools in the mountain West will be more appealing to a school like SMU than the AAC. Now I could be completely wrong about that, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think it also, some of that will depend on if Cal and Stanford are still in that conference as well. Cause I think they could, they would drive potentially some of that, you know, some of the ways the conference looks and even if the conference is able to continue, I think, you know, Tulane would be another team. Rice has been, you know, if Stanford and Cal have their way, Rice would be high on the list, right? A strong academic university. And then obviously some of the other Mountain West teams, you know, that weren't getting a look before, you know, like a UNLV or a Fresno State or a Boise State. San Colorado Diego State, State San, San Diego State, State, obviously. State. Yep. Yeah. All yeah. those, all those programs make a lot of sense. And I was just having a conversation with some Beaver fans and like, I, I don't think that most of them understand, but from a spending standpoint, Oregon State and Washington State football budget wise are already way, way, way closer to Mountain West schools than they are to Pac-12 schools. Yeah, I did. Um, I was doing some research on this earlier. Um, and I think we were sharing this while you were talking that, you know, so Oregon State spends 22, Oregon State and Washington State both spend about $22 million on football last fiscal year that's been released. Boise State spends 18. Uh, some of the other Mountain West schools are in the mid-teens, you know, 14 to 15 range for a lot of those programs, yeah, right? San Diego State it, is $18.5 million. Yeah. Yeah. So right in that um, same range with Boise, just below what Oregon State and Washington spent. And that's with a $5 million media deal compared to a, 25 million dollar media deal that that Oregon State and Washington State get. So, 
the spending that those two schools are able to put together is much more comparable, like you were saying, to a Mountain West or another another group of five conference comparatively to like Arizona State and Oregon spend about $40 million on football. Utah yeah. spends about $40 million on football, right? It's it's literally double or more than double the budget. And so those schools, I mean, we're bouncing all over the place here, but I, I agree with you. I think that for, and if you're Oregon State and Washington State even like, I mean, obviously no one wants to, you know, be demoted, which is what this would be for them in the long run. But hell, the Big 12 is going to be as well. So I think the Big 12 fans are going to have to accept that. They may It may take them five years to get there, but it, they're going to have to accept that at some point as well. But but the reality is, is like, OK, you're now in a in a situation where you can actually compete on the field and financially with your peers in your conference instead of being, you know, <laughs> 50% behind everyone else, right? I mean, that's a, that's a league Oregon State could be a dominant team in. 100%, especially if they're able to maintain Jonathan Smith, right? Now, I think that's going to be more difficult to do um, given the discrepancy in revenues now because he's a pretty damn good coach. And, like, a school like Northwestern, to me, is, like, a perfect fit for someone like Jonathan Smith, right? Like, but is he willing to leave his alma mater? The financials, though, are going to be really tough to deal with if you're Jonathan Smith because a school like Northwestern can throw generational life-changing money at you, 8 to $10 million a year, to come coach for them, whereas Oregon State is going to have, probably have to make some cuts in regards to coaching budget, right? So it's going to be interesting. I think that Oregon State's going to be in a prime position to be really successful. I actually don't think I – think, I think Oregon State fans will be bummed out in the short term in the longer term, though, I think that that viewership, that that really loyal viewership that Oregon State does have, I'm not saying it's large, but I think that they'll stay and I think that they'll be a lot happier with the with the way that they compete at that level. Um, and so those loyal Beaver fans, I think, will still go Phil Reeser. Um, and I actually think that they'll have better attendance now that they're playing against more uh, from, from against a peer group that makes more sense for them. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You know, going back to what you were saying about the four corners, it's a you know, Utah, I think Utah, I don't think they've wanted to go to the Big 12. I think they've been holding out against going to the Big 12 more than anyone. They've really found a home that they love in the Pac-12. They've obviously been successful here. They want to be in, they, I think they, more than anyone else in this conference, has probably been fighting to keep the Pac-12 alive. Um, but I do think, obviously, at this point, the writing's on the wall and they've got to they've gotta take care of themselves and, and take that deal. I think the interesting thing coming out of today is, you know, a couple of days ago, I think everyone was believing that there was going to be kind of a series of dominoes where, okay, Colorado left, then Arizona will leave separately, and then we'll see what happens after that. I think right now, Arizona and Arizona State are hooked because they have the same border regions. It's not like Oregon, right? It's more like UCLA and Cal. Arizona and Arizona State have the same border regions, and they're all part of the same university system. And I think what they're going to do now is say we're a package deal. We're going to hitch. We're going to hitch those two together to make sure they both get in. Because there's been some scuttle around: is the Big Twelve willing to go to sixteen? Are they even financially able to go to sixteen? Uh, you know, the, all the word is that the ESPN pro rata agreement with the Big Twelve was was to give equal shares to four additional schools, which would take them to sixteen. But the Fox side of that. Was, hasn't there is no guarantee and and what Fox has previously said is we're willing to fund two editions but not four and so I think what I think that may be changing now right because if Fox has a bigger plan 
you know, that they're pulling the puppet strings of both the Big Ten and the Big 12, then they may be willing to fund Utah and Arizona State because it helps them also accomplish what they want to do by bringing Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten. So, But I think that Arizona and Arizona State are also going to hitch their wagons together to say, if you want one of us, you have to take both of us. I don't know how much leverage they have, but that's the, that's the play they're going to make. And I think the Big 12 probably wants that too. Because I think they want to, I think Brett Yormark and them want to make a big splash and bring all three Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah in together and kind of have one big triumphant, you know, last, here's our 16. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I think that I think that's what's going to end up happening. Cal and Stanford will be interesting to monitor. I think the outcomes for the other schools are pretty obvious at this point, um, barring any last-second shockers, right? Yeah, I mean, I think with the Cal and Stanford, going back to Cal and Stanford and Fox, you know, the, the, some of the rumors out there today on Twitter, and I can't remember. It's hard. You read so much. So, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember what's been reported by whom and whether it was by, you know, one of the trusted national writers that – or, or, you know, one of the more, maybe not, maybe not untrusted, but, you know, less, less reliable internet rumors. But the rumor was that Fox, Fox would, would agree to pay, to give the Big Ten more money for Oregon and Washington, not a full share, right? Oregon and Washington would have to come in at some sort of partial share somewhere, you know, at a low end of 50%, you know, maybe just 50, 50 to 75% range to start. But that Fox would fund that, so it wouldn't come out of the pocket of the of the other Big Ten schools. But they were only willing to do that for Oregon and Washington, and they were not willing to fund Cal and Stanford for obvious reasons. So if that's true, then the Big Ten presidents, I mean, if they're looking at it purely from a financial standpoint, then they'll take Oregon and Washington and call it good. If they're looking at it from a we're the Big Ten, and we have we want Stanford and Cal, or one of them, because of academics and the the reputation and and the research and all of those things. Then then they would have to fund those schools out of their own pockets, or yeah, or, or find a like TV that. partner that will right. And I don't right. I don't know that that yeah. partner exists. Although I I don't know the numbers. You know the TV slots better than me. Um, I think if it's just Oregon and Washington, just to prep yourself, Oregon fans, like you're going to be playing, and I guess Washington fans, if you guys are listening. We're going to be playing a lot of seven o'clock kickoffs. Like, yeah, at I home. I would, home. I would yeah. say, yep, at home, right? So I would yeah. say that probably, Coast, like, yeah. yeah, probably four of our six home games are going to be seven o'clock kicks. Yeah, because if if Fox is funding this completely, right, that what it buys them is the fourth window. Fox has no fourth window content, and they haven't previously wanted it. But if the fourth window content means that 100% of your games have either Washington, Oregon, UCLA, or USC in them, like that's that's going to blow whatever ESPN puts on from the Big 12 out of the water. Um and and so that's that's worth funding, but that but that's what that's the TV window they have. They can't put Big 10 games on. They have an agreement, right? The the Big 10 agreement is Fox gets the big noon and we're talking about Eastern time, right? So for I'll I'll convert to Pacific for our listeners. So Fox has the 9 a.m. game. CBS and NBC cannot televise a Big Ten game at 9 a.m. And then CBS has the 12:30 the 12:30 game for the Big Ten, not this year, but in a year from now. Um, but NBC and Fox cannot televise a Big Ten game in that window. That's where that's where Fox will put a Big 12 game right in the new world, and that's where ABC will have a, an ACC. Well, it won't matter because they're not in the network; they're not in the Big Ten contract. NBC will have either Notre Dame there or or nothing. Um, and then in the the third window, so that would be the four thirty to five p.m. you know 
Pacific window. That's the NBC can I, window. Can I pause you for one second? Here? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Before Oregon fans start bitching about seven o'clock kicks, do you realize that when we talk about that primetime five o'clock kick, that's an eight p.m. East Coast kick. And that's the kick lot, that everyone that is, in the Big Ten and SEC wants to be in. Exactly. They all want so the light I, night games. I know, and that's why I think like like Pac-12 fans or I guess Oregon fans in this instance need to nut up and quit being quit, quit complaining about it, right? Like it, you're in the big seven time. o'clock. Yeah, seven o'clock kick is still an hour prior to that. Now I think it could get bumped up to a six o'clock window, just so it's an eight o'clock central, um, so that if you have teams yeah. from the eastern part or of the six, conference maybe you split back. the difference and it's six thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think it does. I think that window probably moves up a half hour to an hour, depending on how they want to do it. Um, but it's awesome because it, now you have a, a great window with great competition to highlight uh, and add to what you have going on. And, and it's important right. to remember that it's not just Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA that are going to play in that window. You're also going to have those other Big Ten teams traveling out to the West Coast to play in that window as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it, so that's that's four teams that are splitting that window, and there's four, you know, thirteen to fourteen weeks in a season, right? So, yep. it, you know, you have to imagine if you're Oregon or Washington. You know, let's just take it from an Oregon perspective, right? So those preseason games that you're playing against, uh, you know, the FCS, they're not going to be in that window. Those games will be on the Big Ten Network. Um, yep. But but throughout the season, if you have 13 or 14 of these games and you have to divide them among the four teams on the West Coast, what's that? That's three and a half games per team. Uh, yep. And you got to figure Oregon and Washington and UCLA are going to probably eat more of those than USC does. Yep. So, 100%. you know, it's four of your seven home games. Nut up. Because guess what? Your other three home games are going to be most likely the the four the 4.30 p.m. kick and, and some noon kicks. They they won't put the they won't have the West Coast teams playing home games at 9 a.m. That won't happen. No, no, it'll but they will have us playing on the road at 9 a.m. Yeah, there's already proof yeah, of concept sure. with that with oh, us yeah. playing uh, Ohio State on big noon a couple years ago in 21. Yeah, yeah. Road games at 9 a.m. Yes. Home games at 9 a.m. won't happen. So your your three windows for your home games will be the the noon, the noon is twelve thirty window, the four thirty window, and and then the whatever six thirty to seven o'clock window. Um, and you're probably gonna play more games in, in the last one than you do in the in the other two combined at home. And that's just I mean, it's worth the price of admission. That's the like the games are going to be a lot better too because you're going to you know I put together a couple sample schedules earlier just kind of you know saying okay if you had a, a random rotation not a random rotation but you had a rotation of Big Ten teams where you know you kind of look at the teams in in quadrants or, or thirds of like the top end teams the middle tier and the lower tier I mean you're going to host one or two of the premium non West Coast Big Ten teams every year and you're going to have you know you know, two or three, you're going to host two or three middle tier. You're going to host one or two bottom tier, right? So you're in a, in a season, you could be hosting, um, you know, Ohio state, uh, let's say Ohio state, Wisconsin, Northwestern, state. Purdue. Yeah, or... I, I mean, yeah, you probably wouldn't get three of the top tier teams in the same season, but you'd get two a lot of years. Right. And then, and then you're going to have Washington at home that year or USC at home that year. Like, yep. I mean, the schedule is going to be, you're still going to have one or two dogs because you're going to play an FCS team. You're probably going to play Oregon State every other year still, right? <laughs> I think I, our I'm not meaning to call them a dog. Sorry. Yeah. I would assume that our non-conference scheduling will, is going to like adjust with this move. Like there's, I like think, at that, yeah. I don't I think, think there's the, going to be a, a premium on playing big non-conference games anymore when you play in a league that is as deep as this yeah. league is going to be. And, and I, I think, think you're like, going to see that across the board with both the SEC and the Big Ten over time. 
But yeah, I think like you might play a Big 12 a... team, a G5 team, and an FCS team. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I think or that's kind of how it play, ends. You might just play two G5s and an FCS. Yeah. Like, I could just – I see Oregon, like – I don't know. I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of home and homes with like Arizona schools. Yeah. In the, it makes in a the ton near... of sense. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause like the, well, and, and, actually... and how Washington state, right? Like throw them in the loop every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. I think that like, I think that Oregon with its non-conference scheduling is going to try to like, like I, I, I really, well, first of all, I think Oregon state is going to be a permanent non-conference rival. I think that I think the Oregon Athletic Department is going to throw them a bone for a money game every year. I've joked on Twitter about making them come to Austin every year because I think it'd be kind of funny, but that's not what's going to happen. Like we'll we'll go home and home with them. We'll keep the series going just as it is in the non-conference. I would bet a lot of money on that. Um, and so really, yeah, you're I really so you're too. filling two slots. One of which will be an FCS, and then whatever you want to do with the third slot. Yep, totally. Um, but and there's all I mean like when this officially gets launched, we'll we'll put out an emergency episode. And I think there's there's so many angles to approach this move from. Um, and again, this is all assuming that it ends up happening. I don't want to jump the gun too much on this. Um, but when you think of the things that have like, I guess stalled momentum on, in the Dan Lanning era uh, at Oregon, like the conference uncertainty is a huge huge thing. Um, and getting this, getting that, that solidifying yourself in one of the big two, I think actually elevates Oregon's program. Another ring. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I, I think that, that like from a recruiting standpoint, it's been used against us. I know for a fact of at least two or three kids in last class and two or three kids in this class, um, that either went to different schools because of the pitch that Oregon is going to get left out and be a mountain West team or blah, blah, blah from schools like USC, uh, or, or, this the uncertainty has been used against us by like by uh, SEC schools or other Big Ten schools, and now if this is to happen, that uncertainty dies, and with it dies that recruiting tactic, and now you have to beat us straight up, and we actually have something extra to sell. Um, which, when you think about that, it's like giving a shark a fork and a knife. Can I just circle back on that? Like, what does it say about you and what you're selling as your program if your recruiting pitch is? that school is going to get left out. Like, what does that say about, like, what's your pitch? Like, your pitch is really, like, fear? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, and and that's coming from, that's coming from one of the top five football programs of all time who who has every built-in advantage under the sun, and that's the pitch. Like, that's pretty pathetic. It's it's super pathetic, and it's going to be hilarious to watch it blow up in their face, right? Because the second, like, the, this gives Coach Lanning the Oregon brand. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that goes into this, but it gives it a stability and a permanence um, that has not existed since Lanning has taken over because almost immediately after he took over, USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten. Right. Right? So it's going to be it's going to be really fun to see what happens and what the staff and the administration can do with not only um, the stability that they have to sell, but the, the extra resources that come along with that. Um, I think we're going to see massive new investments into the football program. I think we're going to see this thing really built out. And with that, and with that sustain, it's sustainable too, right? Because it's media money. It's not booster money. I think right. you're going to see Oregon really elevate another tier as a program. Now, 
expectations win loss wise on a season by season basis are probably going to have to change a little bit because this conference is going to be brutal because everyone is getting paid. Everyone's going to have money and resources and everyone's going to be really competing at a high level. But what I think we're going to find is that the Oregon brand itself has elevated above so many of the brands that are even in this existing big 10. Um, and so from a recruiting standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, like I'm really excited to see Oregon kind of finally blossom into its final form in the big 10, um, which is, is ultimately what I'm kind of projecting to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I broke this down a while back. I think Pate made an, made an allusion to it on his show a while back too. But I mean, if Oregon was to go into the big 10, I think they would have, I haven't, you know, the 247 hasn't updated their team talent composite this year. But if I go off of a year ago, like Oregon would have the second most talented rod. They'd see their second or third behind, definitely behind Ohio State, and I think behind Michigan. Um, most talent, and they're, they're a little bit ahead of USC right now. Um, most talented roster in that conference already, right? And yeah. they're consistently, if you look at a five year recruiting rankings average, they would consistently be like number two or number three, you know? So they're, I mean, from a talent and recruiting standpoint, they're, well positioned to compete in that league, you know, from day one um, and beyond. Obviously, it's a much tougher league. And I said this about Oklahoma particularly, but, you know, when they're joining the SEC and their fan base, like, and this is true for the SEC conference for for teams at least not named Georgia and and Alabama, and it's true for the Big Ten conference for teams not named Ohio State, is, like, fans in these super conferences are going to have to reset their expectation of what it, of what a successful season looks like. Right. Like it it used to be like, if you're a team that's like expect expecting to compete for a national title, like 10 and two is a disappointing season in these leagues. 10 and two is going to be a good season and you're going to get in the playoffs at 10 and two. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like, again, I think you just, you adjust your expectations on a yearly basis down by a win. Um, just because of, again, the, the, the competitive parity that's going to exist in the conference. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm not like, I think, I think that we have not seen the best of what Oregon can produce. Um, and I think that again, when you just inject resources and brand stability into the program, like, what is that going to like, what would that manifest? What's that going to look like? Um, and I'm really, really intrigued to see that um, come to fruition. I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm hopefully, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a superstitious person. I hope we're not getting ahead of our skis here with you know, talking about something that hasn't happened yet. Um, I've been knocking cer- on wood this entire time, so we're good. It certainly f- seems like all signs point toward positive. And and I, you know, someone asked me earlier today, you know, what I thought the odds were. And as you know, I've been. I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic. I've been on the probably pessimistic side of realistic for the last six to nine months on, on our chances of getting in the big 10. And I, you know, I haven't been, I don't think I've been secretive about that, but I, I mean, I, I, I feel like 80, 90%, you know, good right now about, about this happening. And I, and like you said earlier, I think this is going to, first of all, this is already like, this didn't just start happening today. This stuff has no. been happening behind the scenes for what well, we know for months. I mean, for a year, really. Like this all started when USC and UCLA, and there's been contact between Oregon and Washington and the Big Ten at various points of time for over the last year. I'm sure it's ramped up considerably over the last couple of months, right? There was that report three or four months ago that these teams were vetted and cleared, and everyone kind of made fun of it because what does that mean? 
but it means something, right? It means that if the Big Ten wants to act, they don't have to go commission studies. They don't have to go and run numbers and, and hire a consulting firm to figure out what they're worth. That's all been done. It's literally just, are we ready to act? Fox is willing to fund it. Do you want to go? Yes or no, right? This can happen. This this could happen extremely quickly within days. I think more likely, I would say by the end of next week, could happen sooner than that for sure. I think it's going to happen sooner than that. I think that the way that we saw things pick up today, I think that I would not be surprised if there was a vote held before the end of the week um, on the Big Ten side and then Oregon put in Washington put in their official application the following day. Yeah, and no, then, I mean it would that, be it would, the, the timeline would be similar to what we saw with Colorado, right? There'd be yeah, there'd be a vote, there'd be a vote by the conference, um, and then and then the the school would technically officially ask, you know, ask for the uh, ask to be invited or whatever, ask for acceptance, and then the acceptance would be would be given, right? So yeah, it's yep, it's exactly. all, but it's all formality at that point, right? Like one hundred percent. By that point, the decision's it, been the, made. It's been voted before on. a vote even happens. Every this is the 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 thing that people who don't like I, you know, as people know, I'm I serve on a on a public board. Anyone who's been on any kind of public board, whether it's an academic one or a governmental one or a corporate one, the one hundred percent of the time. People know the outcome of a vote before the vote is held. Well, let me say 99% of the time. There are rare occasions where a vote is held that 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 don't that people don't know the outcome. In yeah. situations like this one, it's 100%. A vote isn't held unless people already know what the vote is. And yep, no matter exactly. what the vote is, it will be reported as unanimous. That's the other yep, thing it, that happens. Yep, 100%. Like if there's a, a dissenter, like there are some rumors today that the only dissenter right now is Wisconsin. Like if, if yeah, QB, I meant to talk to you about that because that's your boys. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna have to make a call. No, I'm kidding. I have no power there. But um, I I think like if even if that's the case, like first of all, that's not gonna stop anything. And because of that, the, whoever's at Wisconsin is on the board will ultimately end up voting in favor just so that they don't they're not the one against the group. Um, so like, I don't think you have any issues there, but yeah, yeah I don't want to get too far ahead of our skis. I think we'll have a super, I mean, I'm sure that's going to be a two hour conversation, Doug. I mean, we're going to have to figure <laughs> out how we're going to structure that if, if an, if an announcement comes, but, um, keep, keep your eyes out. Um, and as soon as something does come, Doug and I are going to get together and record ASAP. So, yeah, I would expect um, the first thing, the first dominoes to happen will be the, those big 12 dominoes, right? At least Arizona, most likely all three Arizona, Arizona state and uh, Utah to the big 12. That will probably happen this week. I feel like very confident in saying, I think that's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to like continue tomorrow and, and finalize on Friday at the worst case Monday. And then, and then it's, you know, that's the damn breaking moment where well, know, isn't, things can isn't move the, extremely fast. the executive board meeting tomorrow for Arizona and Arizona state? Yes. Right. So that's where they would behind the scenes say, yep, we're going. And then the big 12, pr- presumably the same day or the next day would say you're invited. And then, then there'd be some sort of official public vote, you know, in some maybe Friday or, or like I said, worst case Monday. But it would be yep. at that point. It would be like everyone would know what's happening. And just like with Colorado, like it the 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 public vote at Colorado was was like a day after everyone already knew Colorado was gone, and everyone had reported Colorado was gone. So yeah. um, I agree uh, that'll all happen this week. And then uh, the other thing I want to call out to everyone is we will be recording Sunday night with Hithla Day. We'll be talking um, Oregon Ducks roster heading into fall camp, which started today for Oregon. So they were they were on the field today for the first practice of fall camp, which is super exciting. Football is back, QB. 
Oh my gosh, we're going to record like six times in seven days if this goes the way it might. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as we get into the season, we're going to be recording at least twice a week. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. no more no more days off, man. The season all is here. People, all those people talking shit on us saying that we didn't, we were like getting lazy and fat and not, and not, uh, not recording anymore. Um, sure isn't yeah. looking to be the case. It sure is not, is it? Um, no, we're going to have a lot this week and, and this month, and then obviously as we get into the season. But yeah, Hitful Day will be on Sunday night, so that'll release on Monday morning. You definitely want to check that out. I'm sure it will be QB and Hitful Day talking for who knows how many hours. Um, if it goes long, I think unlike the last time, I think I'll probably chop it up into multiple episodes and drop them. Yeah, I think I have a feeling it's going to be probably two hour plus episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a better format anyway. I think every the feedback I've gotten from our listeners is they'd probably prefer to, and our metrics show the same thing, right? If you give people two one-hour episodes, it, it's going to work better for most people than one two-hour episode. So, yep, but so yeah, we'll it'll that. be a lot of great content. Yeah, and I, I want you to be more involved in that conversation as well because I think you have a lot of value to add to that. But uh, I think the last time I got in a little more. Listen, I'm not I'm not patting myself on the back here, but that picture of Dale and Austin from day one of practice has me th- feeling pretty good about my projections with him. Yeah, you have been the number one uh, touter of Dale and Austin. Could, could oh, I'm the head of the Dale and Austin fan club. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Now. If you wanna, if you want to uh, join join the fan club of Dale and Austin's, you can message me on Twitter and I'll add you um, to our to our fan club page. I have like a little Facebook group now. I just want. To see Roderick Pleasant returning kickoffs. That's my one. I, I've, I've already told Joe Lorig to his face that I better see that happening. Um, what did he say when you around. brought that up to him? Uh, also, I mean, how do you think he's going to feel about you saying that he might be on the hot seat a couple weeks ago? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh Are you sure? You're treating me like, like, uh, like, uh, like how I've said about you and Terrence Whitehead. Um, I said I could see it happening after another year if the special teams don't see an improvement. I didn't say he's on the hot seat or should be on the hot seat. All of a sudden, there's a lot of qualifying statements that I don't think existed <laughs> prior. Joe's but, my yeah, guy. I, know. I love Joe. I told him. I hope you're but planning what, what on putting. Was his um, putting he, he basically agreed with me. He says, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get that guy on the field. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense to have the guy that runs faster than everybody else returning kickoffs where it's like primarily straight line speed that matters. Yeah. Like, obviously, I mean, instincts are a piece of it, but like uh, just having a guy that runs, if you block it right, just having a guy that runs really fast in a straight line is awesome. I mean, even if it gets you an extra five yards when you're bringing it, you know, down from the goal line or the one yard line, just because he gets, he gets off the block so fast, like even that's worth, you know, worth it, even if he doesn't break it long, right? But he'll have some, he'll have some opportunities to break it long. But look, I don't know. I mean, they got a lot of guys vying for that spot who can. Yeah, return. I mean, Tez Johnson too. We'll like I, um, I, actually, I see him yeah. more as a punt returner, though, don't you? Um, yeah, I mean, I can see both. If his if his straight line speed's as good as it's being touted to be, I could see him doing both. Um, I think again, I think Roderick Pleasant's the obvious one. Um, but there's some. I'm trying to think of who else on the offensive side. I don't really think that there's. I think that some teams put running backs back there. And unless you have a running back with just like elite straight line speed, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. In spring ball, everybody returning kicks was a running back. I know. And I'm I'm like, what? I mean, sure. I guess you have a bunch of running backs, um, but I just, I want the big play threat. Um, I, yeah. I think a lot of that is coach, coach Lachlan fighting for his guys to get touches. And he's really good at that. 
Yeah, no, but. for sure. I'm just, I guess when I look at this, like I'll be interested to see what we do with punt returns too. Um, I, there was a picture today of Troy Franklin returning punts. I really don't want him to. No. Like I, even even though I think he'd be really good at it, like I just would rather have somebody who's less of a risk to like. If we lose Troy Franklin, that's a much bigger loss than there is for other guys who I think would be like I think Tez Johnson would be perfect for for returning punts. Um, yeah. I think that Gary Bryant, because he's done it before at USC, would be good at punts and kicks. Um, so there's, there's, there's a few guys I think that are available now, um, that obviously weren't on the team last year. I mean, shoot more than 50% of the team is new. Uh, I think we're at 43 new players. Is that, is that the right count, Doug? I, I don't have, it's around that. I don't have it off the top of my head. I haven't looked at it in a while. So, but yeah, I think you're right in that ballpark. Yeah. So like either way, there's going to be a lot of movement there. Um, and I think that even a guy like Dalen Austin, I'm just saying he was an excellent punt returner in high school. And I, I think know. that like that's a skill set that translates really well. Like I remember Javon Holland was a tremendous high school punt returner, and that translated to Oregon, obviously. I mean, think about that Auburn game. He had two huge punt returns in that game. Um, and I think about some of the other defensive backs, guys like Cliff Harris, whereas I don't think that like straight line burner speed is nearly as important with punt returners. Like Braylon Addison is another great example of a fantastic punt returner who didn't have like incredible straight line speed. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot of options that don't involve you risking your number one receiver as the punt returner. I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you. I don't want to see, I love Troy for, I mean, I would have, you know, if, if you said Troy Parankin was returning punts as a freshman to give him touches and time on the field. Great. But now he's a junior, and he's you know the number he's, one receiver. He's on easily the team. our most vi- like our most valuable player on the outside. And so I just again, in the same way that I don't like to see starting cornerbacks returning kicks, having your number one receiver returning kicks is just like that's like breaking kind of a cardinal rule in my in my book. Um, uh, that's well, especially when you so. have when you have other options that are just as good or potentially even better. You, you know, if you're a team where you you don't have a lot of talent and you have this like one just superstar player that's so above and beyond better. Yeah, sure. Put him out there. Cause what the hell you got to lose? But in Oregon's case, you have, you have equal options at worst. Equal. Yeah. And, and even if it's, even if it's not equal, even if it's a slight decrease, I think that like, if you're doing like a risk assessment on that, I would rather risk a second string or third string corner or receiver or some type of skill player. than again, your number one guy who has like, not just like, great college value but nfl draft aspiration you know who would disagree with us if he, if he was in here today who james we've oh, had yeah, this but... argument with james on on spaces i know but james is wrong he is wrong he's totally wrong on this it's all about it's all about marginal value right like yeah, i if the, and, if... like i understand his argument like his argument is what you're saying that other players are disposable more disposable than like yes absolutely like your rarest skill sets are not disposable like when you talk about like just look at the NFL draft and look at the way values assigned. Like other than quarterback, tackle, pass rusher, corner, receiver, guys that can cover, guys that can get open and score touchdowns, guys that can rush the quarterback, guys that protect the quarterback and the quarterback. Right? Like those are the most valuable positions in football. And so I really like I I could not more strongly believe that your number one receiver, your number one corner, are guys that only should be used on special teams when you're at the point in the season where it's make or break, right? Like if you're playing a game to get into the playoff, yeah, put your best guy out there because that marginal difference could be the difference in a game. And you're in the playoff playing against the number one team, then yeah, do that. But I don't think doing that all season when uh, against all, all opponents makes sense. I think you need to pick your spots where you take those risks. 
with your personnel. I could not disagree with that. Anything more you want to cover today? No, I think it's a good place to wrap it up. We talked about this beforehand. How long were we supposed to go? Like 30 minutes? We're at 42. Look at us. All right. Not bad. Hey, we rambled a bit on this last bit we weren't planning on. Yeah, but you know what? It's we're just talking ball, and I'm really excited. Like I have the football bug. Like it's almost here. Like I can really feel it. I can it. feel it, QB. I, I know. Got I can tell. My... I have it too, but I can tell you have it. Like it's coming. It's palpable. Well, I think it was because like yesterday, I finally booked all my flights for the games I'm coming to this year. And after not coming to a single game last year, other than the game down here in Arizona, um, I'm gonna get to go to five of the twelve this year, and possibly six of the twelve, depending on. I don't know. I'm if I get a wild hair, I might make that 13 hour drive over to to Lubbock. Um, I heard it's a hell of a drive, like just ugly and hot and empty. Is um, it just straight? It's uh, you can map it from Phoenix. It's it's pretty straight. Um, See, so the problem yeah. with that is you set the cruise control and you're just cruising on, and then you like just fall asleep. So you got to be careful. Oh, I wouldn't fall asleep. I would I would make someone come with me. I, I'd bring an assailant. Um and also like listen to books, podcasts, I don't know. Like again, I've got the I've got the football bug. Like I've just been I'm ready. I think the Big 10 news um and the speculation around that like if that that's going to give me a lot of juice uh through the season and then also into the future because again, like if you're Phil Knight, like you got to be so happy because you've been spending all this money, you've been making all this investment into this in this brand that you love so much and just knowing that your legacy is cemented with Oregon going to a conference that's going to be a staple of the sport for as long as the sport exists um would just be incredible. So, um God bless that man. We're very lucky to have him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um the other thing Obviously, this getting wrapped up in in whatever fashion it gets wrapped up in for you know the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, I think is important because I think those conferences and the media partners and the schools they all want to turn the page to the football season now that camps here, right? Like none of none of those entities wants this wants this realignment stuff to drag on into the season, and I would even say I don't think they want it to drag on you know, past the middle of August. I think they're motivated. Everyone on all sides is motivated to lock this stuff in, announce it, get everyone pumped about it, and then be talking ball. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, Doug, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. I'm sure we're going to be recording. I mean, shoot, like between the (laughs) podcast that we're going to do after it gets announced, assuming it gets announced, and um, the podcasts, plural, with Hifliday, we're going to spend a lot of time talking to each other here over the next couple of days. So, uh, I think now is a good place to wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the new five-star reviews. Appreciate those. Um, if you want to support the podcast, make sure to subscribe. Doug, where do they do that? Uh, at qb 11 show on Twitter. Or at, All yeah. Right. yeah. Or on really? Apple or Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Gotcha. Perfect. Well, do that, and we'll talk to you here soon. Take care.